Welcome to Look at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, Dave Filoni, and John Favreau, as well as the rest of the, the team at Lucasfilm have dreamed of over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host Brian Gaughan and I are recording this week's show on Saturday, November 12, 2022. And Brian, you of course know what that means. Five days left. That's right. Till Life Day. For Life Day. <laughs> uh, this really got rolling in 2020 with the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. So Disney began kicking the tires of, hey, Life Day, which uh, for those of you who don't know, all the way back to the Star Wars Holiday Special that ran yeah. on CBS uh, back on November 17th, 1978. In fact, that's why the whole November 17th date you know, I think I liked Life Day more before I, I, I re-watched the special because now all I, I think about is Grandpa in that thing watching that. Yeah, Diane Carroll. No, that goes <laughs> behind the steel door, Brian. And in fact, I've actually read an interview where George Lucas talked about how if I could get a hold of every copy of the Star Wars Holiday Special. I would destroy them with a hammer. I mean, it just it was one of these things yeah. where, as far as he was concerned, it was just a complete misfire. But October 26th of this year was the 10th anniversary of Disney buying Lucasfilm. Oh, wow. That kind of went by the wayside, didn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, you would think Disney would make a bigger deal of that, but... Lucasfilm under George Lucas was a uh, life day. We, we we don't talk about life day. You know, it's just sort of like, where, <laughs> no, is, no, no. where is Disney on the other hand? Like, as I mentioned, they looked at life day and it's like, okay, so we try this holiday special. And the very next year, November of 2021, we see our first start of Disney sort of walking at the idea of, could we merchandise life day? A relatively small program. Uh, there was a Star Wars Life Day cookbook. There was also a Chewbacca Life Day plush, so 20 inch tall. Wookiee dressed in a red robe holding a, a Life Day orb. Likewise, there was a Life Day orb mug, which looks like it could hold seven gallons of coffee, which immediately appealed to me. It's like, ooh, okay, that, that that's a good way to start your morning. But also last year, they also had the Star Wars Life Day Treasury, and it was a holiday stories from a galaxy far, far away. But again, relatively minor, you know, smallish retail program. With a yeah, sense. It, they were sticking a toe in the water to see if anybody would buy it. And evidently they did because, holy. But the funny thing is yep. most of those people did not see the holiday special. Oh, of course not. <laughs> so now it's a broader program, it's more specific and more aggressive. And when I say more specific, a lot of these items, and we're talking about Life Day t-shirts for women, Life Day t-shirts for men, Life Day t-shirts for, for kids, Life Day ball caps, are actually, it's Life Day, and again, with the subheading of celebrating together, but it's dated for 2022. Because again, obviously for 2023, it's like, oh, well, I see you're wearing the out of date Life Day stuff. Oh, they date it too. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. They don't let anything slip by, do no, they? No, no, no. This, this is Disney. They have some of the, the sharpest people when it comes to merchandise on the planet. But anyway, 
we are gentlemen of a certain age and we sit on the couch and we watch movies and we both saw the Life Day Red Fleece Throw, which I'm guessing they use that language because this is a Snuggie, right? Right. It's Snuggie. And Snuggie is probably trademarked. There we go. All right. So it's a Red Fleece Throw and with the subtitle of Blanket with Sleeves. And it's just sort of like, but you can get a life day. You can, you can dress like Chewy. You know, you can, you can put on your robe with your sleeves and you can sit on the couch and you can watch your Star Wars movies. And Well, especially because isn't it kind of cold there now in New Hampshire? Thank you, global warming. No, it's, an, it's November. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> it's, it's 65 today. Uh, no, in fact, I stand corrected, folks. It's 69. Okay, well, that's funny because it's 69 here, too, and we consider that cold. Well, there we go. Okay, so get yourself a Snuggie. I will say this much. I need another coffee mug like I need a hole in the head. In fact, Nancy literally had to go out and buy a coffee mug tree lately because I I couldn't use the counter. There were so many coffee mugs. But there are two Star Wars Life Day items I am considering purchasing. One is... The Star Wars Life Day pop-up book and advent calendar, which, by the way, started as $45, and Amazon currently has it listed at $39.56. Given that Life Day is supposedly a Wookiee tradition, long observed in that culture, what the hell is going to be in this advent calendar when I open the little doors? I mean, I remember that scene from (laughs) Return of the Jedi where Chewie is lured into the trap the Ewok set by a killed, you know, forest creature. You know, it was like raw meat in a stick and, and Chewie ran right over. <laughs> and it's like, so what happens when I open this advent calendar? I'm thinking, I want a cute little piece of chocolate, but am I getting a piece of, <laughs> of raw forest creature? The other thing, frankly, and this is the one I may have to order as soon as we finish up here, folks, and that is the Star Wars Life Day mug from Starbucks. This is one of those things where it's it's a Venn diagram for both Star Wars fans and Disney theme park fans because it's, it's a Starbucks mug, and inside the rim of the cup is, is written the motto for Life Day. It's family, joy, harmony. Inside of the mug is red. That's written there in white. But it's the outside that's intriguing. It's got Chewie in his red robe, uh, his Life Day robe, holding a Life Day orb. But behind him is the Millennium Falcon parked outside of Smuggler's Run at Uh, Black Spire Outpost. And the Black Spire Outpost, the, the mountains are off to Chewie's right side. To the left is the official... Black Spire Outpost sort of stylized logo. Well, I know what I'm getting Liana for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know who's going to be sleeping out on the porch. You know? Yeah, or sweeping up the pieces. <laughs> yeah, well, there we go. But anyway, folks, if you're not a Star Wars or a Galaxy's Edge fan, there's also a stainless steel cup that they're selling. It has a stylized lineup of the original Star Wars characters. It's R2-D2, C-3PO, Chewie in his his Life Day robe holding a life orb. And then it's uh, Leia, Han, and Luke on the other side. 
Disney doesn't doesn't miss a trick. It's like, okay, here's the cup for the theme park fans. Here's the cup for the, the Star Wars diehards. And then, like I said, there's all of this Life Day 2022 stuff that <laughs> next year it's like, oh, you're wearing the out-of-date Life Day thing. Well, luckily we have the 2023 assortment available. So we would love to hear from you folks who are actually going to Anaheim or Orlando in the coming week. Because again, Life Day isn't officially held till the 17th of November. And this show will go live on the 16th. So if anybody's going into either Disneyland proper out in California or Disney's Hollywood Studios on the 17th, We'd love to hear what you saw while you were wandering around Galaxy's Edge. You know, the, the yeah, and especially if some of this merchandise mm-hmm. that's on Shop Disney gets to the parks too. I mean, also true, also true. That would be bizarre. Could you imagine if you saw like Wookies walking through Galaxy's Edge in the red robes? I don't know if that would that would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. And the last time I was in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. They were running Chewbacca around that place like he was a politician running for office. I mean, Chewbacca's right. here, and then, okay, move him over there. And then move, you know, wave to the people, Chewbacca. And I just thought about the poor, very tall teenager inside of that outfit. All you need for the Life Day thing is you don't see the full Wookiee body. So mm-hmm. you just need hands and head and then the robe. And then you could have, you know, a dozen of those things walking around. But again, you know, it's Florida. <laughs> you know, and you're, right. you're, you're wearing a giant Snuggie, you know, a, yeah, a bright red true. Snuggie on top of your <laughs> your furry outfit. Ugh. Hey, that could be our, our uh, Halloween for next year. We'll just put a, a Wookiee head on and get a Snuggie. And, you know, there we go. We're, we're I, 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 this Or is... you could wear it when you go on the trip thing. What Brian's referring to is Len Testa, my co-host on the Disney Dish, and I are working with the folks at Storybook Destination. We've actually booked 25 cabins. No, excuse me. We filled 25 cabins on a, on a sailing on the the Halcyon, Galactic Star Cruiser, right, right. on-the-ground cruise experience. And Len is, of course, going as his Star Wars-adjacent character, Hank Lonely, and I'm I'm still workshopping my Jabba the Hill outfit. <laughs> so are you gonna are you gonna speak um hut knees or are you gonna um talk like the uncle? Oh, who is the, the character in who is the actor? Not Alan Seuss. Is it out Al- yeah, Alan Seuss. Like that's what the uncle sounded like. Are you gonna oh. you know get that kind of voice pattern going? <laughs> no, now I have another option. I get you know, and it's an Old school laughing fan doing an Alan Seuss impression. Wow. <laughs> See, that could, yeah. Okay, I got it. Sorry, folks, I have to go do some research. Sorry to front load that, to talk about so much of the Life Day merch, but I, I guess the other reason I brought that up is Disney actually began its Black Friday uh, specials on Veterans Day, November 11th. So I'm not exactly sure how the promotions work this time, but I think you have to meet a certain price point to get free shipping. So, but but again, if anybody out there feels this strongly about Life Day, we, you know, especially the dated Life Day stuff, just wanted to give you a heads up. But we have lots of news for Brian and I to talk about yet. And and speaking of news, the news portion of Looking at Lucille, as always, is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, for a worry-free travel experience 
every time. Please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Today is Disney Plus Day! Hey! It's third anniversary of the launch of this streaming service. You know what? I am so happy with Disney Plus Mm. because even if you're not watching the the new shows that are coming out, Mm. there are so many great... I just watched the other day Mm. The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes, which is an amazing bad movie. Yeah, It's just such a cool film to watch and, and just... You know, it's so goofy, and and the kids loved it. I mean, I actually showed them when they were little, and they really loved it. And I remember seeing it in the theater, and I saw it three or four times because it was such a great, oh, I just, Applejack. uh, And then just. Okay, okay. It's just one of those things that my parents used to send me to a movie theater. It Mm -hmm. had a double feature, Mm -hmm. uh, usually Disney double feature, and said, and they told me, watch both movies Mm -hmm. twice. Mm Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and we'll pick you up in six hours. There we go. There's some quality parenting right there, folks. Okay. When I think of the computer word tennis shoes, I, I, I think of the Medfield College Trilogy. Because right. remember, this was a series of films. We had the Kurt Russell's Dexter Riley character and his friends, which, by the way, among his friends is Frank Welker, the the, the wonderful right. voice actor and, and comedian. But, you know, there was the uh, now we see him, now we don't. And then I want to say the... the, the Strongest fi- man in the there world. There we go. Strongest man in the world. But yeah. for me, the charm of these particular college-based science comedies is you want to talk about Disney <laughs> producing a film as cheaply as possible. Oh. It Medfield College... Was the studio. No, that's it exactly. You know, in fact, (laughs) half the fun of watching this movie is looking past the actors and it's like, oh, that's the animation building. Oh, that's the studio cafeteria. That They're outside on the patio for the commissary filming the scene. Even when they left the lot, they didn't really leave the lot. I mean, they would shoot the car scenes like two or three streets over. I enjoyed the goofy films of Disney. I mean, Boatniks, that was a... A fun film. I remember okay. going to the we drive-in and seeing that. We are not going to okay. talk about the boat next because no, no, no. Seriously, I'm. My problem is if we talk about the boat next, we have to talk about how yeah. this is when Dean Jones went to Broadway to do Company, and the irony is because Dean Jones wasn't willing to do the boat next. Who did Disney hire but Broadway actor Robert Morris, you know, to come and play the Dean Jones role in the Boatniks? And it's a two-hour-long story, and the Star Wars fans at this point will have wandered <laughs> off and found another podcast. So, speaking of which, we were talking about Disney Plus Day, and what Disney typically does on Disney Plus Day is they'll put a special new short out. Now, the past two years, they've done uh, the Simpsons shorts. They did the... Uh, the Force Awakens in... Get, get from its nap. There we go. From its nap, right. Yeah, right. and I, I forget what the other one was, I, which I think was more Disney-centric. But today, it's still Star Wars-themed, but it's called Zen, Grogu and the Dust Bunnies, and it's a collaboration between Lucasfilm and Studio Ghibli. What did you think of this piece? First of all, the main thing that hissed me was the music. I thought the music was beautiful. Uh, the music was done by Ludwig, um, what's his name? Goldenson? Yep. Mm-hmm. Goldenson. Mm-hmm. And it was just, 
it was very zen. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could have that music in the background mm -hmm. and you could just relax and and it was very sweet. It was sweet, it was amazing, it was beautiful, and it, it just it calms you down. It really does what it set out to do. Mm -hmm. And it shows Grogu in a in what we knew as Grogu and then the Dust Bunnies mm -hmm. which are very Studio Ghibli. Did we first see those with my neighbor Totoro? Yeah, okay. I think so. Okay. And it's great that they brought the two together. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I, I love, uh, I mean, I want merchandise with this, like, mm -hmm. to no end. I, give me give me that t-shirt. And, and maybe a mug, too. Okay. Now, <laughs> they talk about how this was supposed to be seen as a teaser for season three of The Mandalorian, which is still on track to debut on Disney Plus uh, February 2023. And I had been over at Target just recently and seen... The Grogu Halloween stuff. And, and Brian didn't believe me. So <laughs> we put Grogu Halloween and Target into uh, Google and proceeded to see the vast array of, of products, whether it's the Grogu Dress as a Mummy plush or the sketchbook ornament where Grogu is now hanging out inside of a pumpkin or the, the girls Star Wars Grogu Happy Halloween where... It's Grogu hiding inside of a jack-o'-lantern, and it's like, and of course, <laughs> intruding on this is the first wave of the, you know, the Grogu Christmas stuff, and it's like, ugh. It's amazing what they're doing with this character, mm -hmm. and then it's amazing to think mm -hmm. that it was introduced mm -hmm. without any merchandise, and they must have been dying that they're leaving so much money on the table, especially seeing what Grogu is doing now. Mm -hmm. That was Favreau himself. And it's like, no, this stays a secret. And in fact, the, the very fact that if you think about how many effects houses must have worked on this project and that no imagery of Grogu leaked out until the first episode's going to drop in, what, November, December of yeah. 2019 and then became the, this huge phenomenon. And I don't mind it too. I mean, I during the the lockdown, mm -hmm. I mean, my go to to make me feel better was to be able to buy another Grogu, uh, you know, painting or mm -hmm. plush or a pop or or anything. And it, 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 he's cute enough that Liana did not get mad at me that I have a room full of Grogu. So, <laughs> well, but you were talking about. How early on when, for example, the Cars series, uh, the, the right. Pixar film in, in 2006 was introduced. And Brian and I are of an age where, you know, we grew up and Hot Wheels were a thing. So when... Oh, yeah. The, and Matchbox. And Matchbox. And so uh, to have the Cars like the ones from our childhood reemerge, only they're now celebrating this Pixar film. And... I stood at the outside edge of this and almost bought in, but but you made oh you... I bought in yeah the first the first uh, movie I got every single car mm -hmm. and I think I had to pay secondary price for one mm -hmm. and I forget which one I think it was um the dino one of the dinos okay and um but I got every single car they just the design was great mm -hmm. the. The packaging. See, I, I love the, I mean, people, well, I don't open my toys because I mm. want to sell them. No, no, I don't open because mm. I love the marketing. I love the packaging. Mm. I love all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I will buy a second one. Mm -hmm. Like I, I bought a second Mater and a second. Um, Lightning McQueen? Yeah, Lightning McQueen. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, oh yeah, that was the one I couldn't find. Remember the Target, the shiny Target one? Mm-hmm. That was the one I was, um, I think I paid um, extra for. But then, of course, they came out. But anyway, but I bought, I would open one mm-hmm. and, you know, a 50-year-old playing around with the cars and stuff. But mm-hmm. it, it's really cool when, I mean, these are things that my kids were young, too, mm-hmm. at the time. So I could play cars with them mm-hmm. and it's not just the Hot Wheels mm-hmm. You know, which are based on real cars. It's characters. When did it become too much? Was it when the next wave of characters arrived for Cars Two, and it's just like, okay, this is nice, but I'm not continuing on. Well, even even before that, because they were um, then they started doing like packaging with doubles, and they would change the color, Mm -hmm. or they would do something like that, and that that's when I was kind of out. When two came in. I would get the characters I didn't have. Mm-hmm. And the one, Jackson was the, the hard one to find for mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, with the, the different packaging, mm-hmm. they, they came out with different packaging. Um, they came out with the original Jackson mm-hmm. and then there weren't a lot of those. It was like one to a box. Mm-hmm. And then the next came out, it was different packaging and there was a lot there. But I, I would run into um, people, poor grandmothers looking for for um, certain characters, and they'd be like, going, why aren't they, you know, why do they only have one of these? Why do they have two or three or something? And I gave, I, I had the Jackson, so I gave it to her. Oh. But because, you know, I figured that I would see, and she was getting it for a grandkid, how many times did she go out and get a, um, a you know, a toy for a grandkid? Mm-hmm. So it was just one of these things that it was, it was big. And then, and then now, uh, cars on the road there's a lot of great new characters in that mm-hmm. and they th- i haven't seen anything if you you step beyond grogu to be honest the only merchandise program i've seen for a disney plus series was the monsters at work they did a bunch of action figures and play sets and and, and that sort of thing which i thought would lead to a cars on the road thing with the similar pixar tie but we are still coming out of a pandemic, you know, around oh, the Oh, that's globe. right. There may be a, a, yeah. And it could be just the case of the factory couldn't operate at that time, or God help us, it's still on a container ship somewhere. Anyway, to pivot back to Star Wars, we were talking about John Favreau just a moment ago, and you came across this wonderful interview with Mr. Favreau where he was talking about each of the Star Wars efforts that have been done for Disney Plus have been specific genres. Is that, well, not genres with influence, right? Uh, Right, right, right. Um, Well, mainly, actually, that was Filoni. Mm -hmm. Oh. And when Filoni was saying that um, The Mandalorian, Mm -hmm. it was an adventure with a Japanese and Western influence. What they talked about when they were originally developing The Mandalorian is like, let's not copy Star Wars. Let's look at the stuff that George looked at when he was developing Star Wars. Right. You know, for, right. for, for example, uh, New Hope. Well, yeah. The, the, was based uh, on, on the hid, um, Hidden Fortress, right? Hidden Fortress, yes. Yeah. Because you had you had the same tropes, you have the same characters. You have mm-hmm. the uh, Tsushima Funi mm-hmm. yep. played the the Han Solo character. You had the princess. Mm-hmm. You had the two goofballs. Yep. You had the the young guy. I mean, it, it was basically mm-hmm. just taken from it. I mean, and it's just so neat to know that George did things like that. But at the same time, if we, if we step ahead to the, the next 
series, the, the Book of Boba Fett. You, yeah, Boba Fett is pure Western. Well, it's pure um, spaghetti Western. There we go. That I wanted yeah. to be sure. Get, get over there, 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 we made that note. The man with no name. I mean, come, they even had the Lee Van Cliff character, too. They, they did. Cleef. They, Cliff. There Cleef. we did. Uh, yeah. Whereas Andor, which, by the way, we'll, we'll get into the most recent ep- episodes of that series on the second half of today's show, you were pointing out this is really kind of a mulligan stew thing because it's like, oh man, it's it, first of all, there's not a laugh in this whole thing. Yeah, it's very dramatic, mm-hmm. but there's it's it deals with like intrigue mm-hmm. and. And, and and there's a thriller, too, because, come on, mm-hmm. can you remember any part of the show mm-hmm. where you're not in the edge of your seat, where you're not stressed out, like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. But it also has, if you go back to the old war movies mm-hmm. where, you know, a group comes together and they do, a you know, Kelly's Heroes. There we go. There we go. Type of mm-hmm. a heist mm-hmm. or or even, you know, it just it just has that, yeah, because, come on, mm-hmm. the, the way that, that Deidre walks down the hall mm-hmm. with her her pants mm-hmm. in a, you know, a, a Nazi pantaloon type of, I, I mean, if they're not trying to really push that the the Empire is the Third Reich or the Fourth Reich, maybe, mm-hmm. the Space Reich, then, then I don't know what is. I mean, it's, it's not even being subtle about it. Okay, then uh, we will do a deeper dive on Andor, uh, second half of the day show, but you were pointing out that if we're doing the the ingredients for the, this Tony Gilroy show, it's intrigue and thriller mixed with a war movie, war movie. as you mentioned, Kelly's Hero, yeah. and a heist, heist movie. Yeah. So, uh, whereas the next show to come over the hill after Mandalorian season three will be Ahsoka. And you were saying that this time around, Filoni was very specific about what... Right. He... I think... This is his show. Mm-hmm. I don't think Favreau's on this. I think it's just him. There's no Robert Rodriguez. It's it's basically him. I think he wrote most of it. And he says it's a samurai adventure. So he's going even back farther mm-hmm. than what George did. And he's bringing out, like... You know, and we know that the the one Mandalorian mm-hmm. had a lot to do with it. It had a um, a Sanjiro feel to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, and even in one of the, and we'll talk about the Tales of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, even one of those, there is it, t- it was taken right out of Sanjiro. Mm-hmm. So, but we'll talk about that later. Okay. But yeah, so he he believe, he's making it more a samurai adventure, like a Ronin type thing. Okay. Okay. That well, I I apologize. We we forgot about another series that's been shooting. Uh, we Skeleton Crew. Yes, that's it exactly. Which specific genre? And and right. can you talk about? It's what- a kids' adventure. It's um, the Goonies. It's it's uh, Stand by Me. But the thing also and that was this was Favreau, mm-hmm. and he said that you will see mm-hmm. some of the characters from Skeleton Crew mm-hmm. show up in Mandalorian four season four. That's intriguing. Okay. So maybe this the 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 skeleton crew. Mm-hmm. I mean, there may be another series, mm-hmm. but if not, or a season, but not, mm-hmm. you'll still see these characters. And this has had to come up with while they're filming and while they're writing. Mm-hmm. You know that there's characters there that they, everybody's fallen in love with, mm-hmm. and they just want to see them go on. Same thing with Ahsoka. I mean, you know, when Ahsoka got into Mandalorian, mm-hmm. people lost their minds. Yeah. 
and it was just a, a no-brainer mm-hmm. to finish the Rebels story mm-hmm. with the ah- Ahsoka series. Mandalorian season four, realistically, given that we're not getting Mandalorian right. season three to February of 2023, earliest we'll see that is 2024, possibly 2025. 2025, probably. before we get that... Uh, We've got Star Wars The Acolyte, which was announced in May of 2020. And as of right now, we're hearing possibly on Disney Plus in late 2023, more likely early 2024. And you did have some some casting news that you were excited about with the show. Oh, yeah. Um, They just announced Daphne Keene, Mm -hmm. who was in, um, she was the, the mini or the clone of Wolverine mm-hmm. in the last movie. Mm-hmm. And then she was also in uh, Dark Materials, mm-hmm. his Dark Materials. So she's going to be in it, So, um, but I don't know as what character. Mm-hmm. And then Carrie Ann Moss from The Matrix. So, of course, they're not telling you what characters these are, but to see her in something like this is just is just wonderful. That would be cool. And and you know, uh, worth noting here though that the acolyte. This is our first film take on the Star Wars High Republic effort, which is set yeah, 200 years plus prior to the the Skywalker saga, right? Right. Yeah, and I I think the the main thing is is um, this is going to set the tone mm-hmm. because I think this is a whole new franchise within a franchise mm-hmm. because if you're starting that far back and and doesn't this take place right after the Sith are destroyed or is this before I don't know I mean okay. you know I I have to admit I have walked around the High Republic effort and I appreciate all the time. And, you know, the, the, there's some, some wonderful people working on this one, but it's just sort of like, I don't know if I can, I can get into this one. So I'm, I'm going in cold to this. To, yeah, know. me too. Okay. But I, I love the whole idea. I mean, I, I love prequels. I love mm-hmm. origin stories. And, and I think that it, if it sets up the, the whole legend mm-hmm. of what Star Wars is, I mean, face it, the Star Wars is about the Force. Mm-hmm. I mean, when things happen, like you, you say, "Well, that wouldn't have happened." Well, why, why? You know, why did he go that down that hallway and not that hall? What's mm-hmm. the force? You know, the force has something to do with it. Uh, not that long ago, we had Taika Waititi talking about how he wanted to do the first Star Wars feature film that was divorced from the Skywalker saga and did not feature the force. And that project is now in development hell. And then we had Patty Jenkins that they did that very elaborate announcement of the project that she was working on, the Rogue Squadron, which was heavily influenced by uh, Patty's dad, who who had been a, a Navy flyer. And just in this past week or so, we had J.D. Dillard. J.D. Diller, which was going to do a, a something similar yeah. to what Patty was doing. Yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, again, he, he was excited about this project because his dad was also an aviator. But but now that's three theatrical. I mean, again, we just spent like 15 minutes talking about all of these limited series for Star right. Wars that, that on Disney+. Plus. But here, theatrical has been trying to get back up on the board after the rise of Skywalker 
And project after project is stalled out, though you came across a, a potential episode 10. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it seems that, and, and, and it seems to be really far along, too. Mm-hmm. It's um, Damon Linderoff mm-hmm. of Lost Fame. Okay. Is working on a script. Mm-hmm. Where I can't remember his name right now, but he's a first time writer. Mm-hmm. And they already have a director. Mm-hmm. It's Charmaine Kwabad Chinoy from Ms. Marvel. She did some great stuff. Um, I She did amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to have that night. And you know Damon. Damon, mm-hmm. I mean, he also wrote um, the Watchmen series. Yep. And, and he's got a sensibility that he wants to tell a certain story mm-hmm. about people yeah. and how the, things affect them. Mm-hmm. And she's a great director to do that mm-hmm. because, of course, Ms. Marvel was all about character. But um, they say that that will possibly be the episode 10. Yeah, and evidently folks at Disney are already talking about this as the possible holiday release for 2025. So we're, right. we're talking... For December to- 2025. And if we tie in the news that Sean Levy is supposedly also working on a Star Wars film. And so if you remember when Disney announced five and six years worth of release dates, and the original plan was that for the holidays for much of the 2020s, it would toggle back and forth between an Avatar sequel, and a Star Wars movie. Right. And so what appears to be being readied now is that, yes, the Taika Waititi film, the Patty Jenkins film, the the J.D. Dillard film aren't going to happen. But on the other hand, we have this Damon Lindelof driven project. We have the Sean Levy thing. And James Cameron has Avatar films booked out as far as 2027. (laughs) So these could be our December of 2024 and our December of 2026 films that, that they will follow Avatar 2, which comes out th- this Christmas, and then Avatar 3, which comes out in December of uh, 2023. Uh, though just this week, Cameron, by the way, walked out the idea that, yes, we have planned as far out as Avatar 5, but we could end the series at three. And even the original screenplay for two, which they decided not to go forward with, did you see what they just announced? They're going to be releasing this as a graphic novel out ahead of Avatar 2? Of Avatar 2, yeah. I guess their whole idea was um, there was just too much story. Yep. um, Mm -hmm. But isn't there a a big time jump from the first one and then the... Again, I'm trying to go in cold... To Avatar, uh, you know, that I appreciated the first Avatar. I thought yeah. James Cameron always delivers a visual spectacle. At least when you first see the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when you try to watch it again, it's like, wait. <laughs> There's a lot of people in the industry this time around who are looking at Avatar 2, and it's like, well, look, it's been a while since the first film, 13 years. And that one took advantage of the fact that it was the first one through the door with the amazing 3D. But is that going to be enough to get people back in theaters again? Are people that anxious this far after the fact? Oh boy, more blue cat people. Yeah. So that brings us up to speed about film and television. We're going to take a quick break here. And when Brian and I get back, we're going to take a quick look 
at the most recent Star Wars things to to show up on Disney Plus, which of course the the wonderful tales of the Jedi shorts, and then the three most recent episodes of Star Wars Andor's. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like I said, the Tales of the Jedi shorts, which Brian and I were just kind of fascinated by these because you were telling the story about what Dave Filoni came up with the stories for, for these on a plane trip. Is that right? Yeah, he said that he was on a plane trip, he was bored, or maybe there was a lot of turbulence. Mm-hmm. And in order to calm himself down, he wrote these stories, mm-hmm. but they were basically stories based on his characters and i know doku wasn't his character but doku was a character that he expanded Mm -hmm. in the clone wars because we know nothing about all of a sudden doku is there and he's the bad guy Mm -hmm. and he doesn't seem like a bad guy but he's still a bad guy and we don't know why so he i guess he wanted to to give an idea of where he came from and then the other ones are um, about basically about Ahsoka and the three movies. Of, I think there's three of the yeah. There's three of each. Mm-hmm. So there's three Dooku's and three Ahsokas. Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka's one are basically the first one is a very beautiful like Miyazaki type of thing that it shows the birth. Mm-hmm. Well, actually not the birth, but as Ahsoka's one years old mm-hmm. and she becomes and they the, his her tribe becomes aware of her powers. Mm-hmm. And then if you think about it a year later, she's taken away by what's his name, Plume mm-hmm. and made into a Jedi. But it, it, it's sad because the whole tribe thing mm-hmm. is are these the, it's very, you know, Native American, very people who are exp, you know, who are going forward, but it's still it's a, a community. Mm-hmm. And it's a village. And it's sad to know that she was taken away from her parents at such an early age. So that's that's the one Ahsoka. And then another one was um, she's being trained by Anakin. Mm-hmm. And it's a tough training mm-hmm. to where she is knocked out many times. Mm-hmm. And basically, I believe that Anakin kind of knew that Order 66 was coming up. Mm-hmm. And he needed to teach her the skills to survive it. So he put her through the ringer. And with this episode, it does kind of end. Well, it ends right to. Oh, the no, no. I mean, it literally, before, it's a, it clicks yeah. right into place with the, 
the and how of- and then and how she survives, mm-hmm. but also how she I'm not going to kill any clones. Mm-hmm. So you saw that, and then the last one with mm-hmm. her in it was really great. But supposedly it was based on the Ahsoka novel, mm-hmm. but it changed some characters. Mm-hmm. But it's you know like one of those stories where somebody tries to hide from mm-hmm. people coming after them, and then the Doku things. Mm-hmm. The first one you see, and you don't even know, you just see two Jedi yep. that are not really looking like mm-hmm. you know the Jedis we know, and they're clean shaven, mm-hmm. and there's a master, and then there's a Padawan, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't have the, the little rat tail. Mm-hmm. And we don't know who they are until the end. And they go into a situation, and... Dooku is learning that nothing is what it seems. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that it's Dooku and um, Ki... Uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn? Qui-Gon Jinn. Mm-hmm. So you get how he teaches... And, and then we know that Qui-Gon Jinn does become mm-hmm. like one of these people who could be either side of the, mm-hmm. you know, of the force, not either side, not dark, but he's, he's a very centric and mm-hmm. that comes from Dooku. And then the next Dooku mm-hmm. is, it shows him and Mace Windu mm-hmm. going to another situation and it's got a very Sherlock Holmes, you know, they, they do investigation mm-hmm. and stuff. And he discovers again, things are not what they seem. This is set during a, a, a especially corrupt time in the Senate. And I loved the three uh, Ahsoka shorts. It, you know, they definitely gave better understanding of the character and, you know, very much looking to Absolutely. see. But on the other hand, the Dooku stuff, for me, was that much more fascinating. Because, again, the fact that you watched Dooku just sort of lose his faith in the system and he still wanted to affect change and get seduced to the dark side. And, and in fact, the last of these, which features uh, Bryce Dallas Howard as Yaddle. As Yaddle. You know. And she does not have the same speech pattern she as She does Yaddle. not. She does not. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it just, it was in a weird sort of way, a, a tragic, story you you very shakespearean yeah no 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 absolutely you you watched someone lose their way and then realize from this point there there is no path back do you think that he he doesn't think that he lost his way Mm -hmm. he really thinks that he's going to make change Mm -hmm. in a very positive way and i think that's because of the emperor of um, Sidious, mm-hmm. just of manipulating mm-hmm. him towards that. I mean, knowing what he wanted, and then make it a manipulation of you know bastardization of what he really wants. If we pivot now to Andor, what I find fascinating about the Cassian story, I, I think about it. Our first seven episodes are four, so we have a guy who's really working fast and loose. He's just in it for himself. You know, and that's the thing. When Luthen recruits him, he's looking for a guy with a very specific set of skills. He's not looking for a true <laughs> believer. But in these three episodes that just ran, the uh, Narcan 5, Nobody's Listening, and One Way Out, we watch Cassian Andor, who's being abused by the Empire and goes from somebody who's, I'm just in it for myself to this is wrong. 
And it, don't get me wrong, Cassian is still very self-serving. He gets other people to do his work sometime. I mean, in this, he got mm-hmm. Kino mm-hmm. to basically, because he, he knew that nobody's going to listen to him mm-hmm. as much as they're going to listen to Kino. Yeah, yeah. But when Andy Circus came on on the stage, and and and, and, and it's important important to remember here that this is not Andy Circus's first Star Wars rodeo. You know, and, <laughs> no. and, and in fact, that's the thing. I, I, it was startling to me just today to realize, like, oh my God, that's right, Snoke. But again, that was Andy Circus, the Lawrence Olivier a performance capture. Well, he was surprised they came back to him, too. And he was very happy that he was able to show people his face. Mm -hmm. But people don't realize what a brilliant actor he is. I mean, he's just, I mean, even he's in the Batman. He's Alfred. And, I mean, do you remember that? Because he was just, he's just, he's in it so much. You don't even say, Mm -hmm. oh, that's the guy who played Mm -hmm. um, Snoke. You don't. Because he just, he disappears in everything. Mm -hmm. And he's just one of those people that it's so fun to watch mm-hmm. because he he's one of those English actors mm-hmm. that chews up the scenery, but he does it so well mm-hmm. that it doesn't take anything away from the rest of the performances of other people and the story. Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what's been fascinating so far about what Tony Gilroy uh, has been doing with Star Wars Andor is t- to watch... The arcs to watch these stories when the stories play out, and uh, you were talking about how much you enjoyed the the arc for, for Kino, right? Right. Just that line that came at the tail end of you know, nobody's listening. Of episode, yeah, nobody's listening as he walks away and he goes, you know, no more than ten. Yeah, you know, no more than twelve. Twelve. No more than twelve. Yeah, no more than twelve. And it's like. The way that it it came came very organic because remember what he couldn't get the information from him, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was like and Andor was becoming so frustrated. Mm-hmm. Like, can't you see what's happening? And then when he does see what's happening, yeah, the, the, because they, I don't think they they needed to kill um, Olaf. See, you needed to have that conversation with the doctor, which the, absolutely somebody just pointed out to me. By the way, the actor who played the doctor. If you remember the flashbacks or, or the images of Lily and James Potter from the, the Harry Potter films, that's Harry Potter's dad. Oh, man. Well, you know, you know, Olaf, who Olaf was, right? Remember in Tim Burton's The Batman? Oh, no. When you see Batman mm. at the beginning and he grabs the guy and he goes mm. and he starts um, shaking him. The mm. guy goes, who are you, man? Who are you? Yep. He goes, I'm the Batman or I'm Batman. That is Ula. I did not know that. Holy cow. Yeah. But anyway, uh, back to Mr. Circus. Again, in, in fact, I, and, and back to what Brian was just saying earlier, that if you, you look at Star Wars Andor and, you know, political thriller married to a war film by way of a heist. And there was another, you know, in fact, particularly this last episode, One Way, one way Out, there was well, the a whole arc. Yeah, you know, the whole arc is very the Great Escape. There we go. Okay, and even the circus character is very much like you pointed this out, mm-hmm. like the Donald Pleasance character, yeah. the gentleman whose vision is failing and and realizes that he's going to be a liability, you know, to the escape. You just have to see these movies too. I mean, we oh, no, 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 no. we bring them up too, yeah. mm-hmm. but I guarantee you, if you see these movies, mm-hmm. you'll understand 
where these filmmakers are coming from. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people that made these movies, mm-hmm. they made them when it was brand new. They made things up. This says so much about Andy Serkis as an actor. Think about that moment where Kino and, and Cassian make their way into the control center and overpower the guards and, and get them to open the doors and shut down the water power, you know, so the floors can't be electrified and all that. But also, but also, um, not only that, but do you remember at the beginning when you saw the prison and then you saw the outside, the water was being sucked in? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, oh. if that was not mm-hmm. stopped, oh, they then they away. couldn't have escaped. Wow, I did not think of that. Wow. Yeah, I saw that like the third time I saw it. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the thing that you only appreciate really after the fact when you suddenly realize, oh my God, what am I looking at here? That Cassian goads Kino into getting on the loudspeaker system. Right. Initially, Kino gives kind of a half-hearted message to the, the, the prison complex. And Cassian goads him into really talking. That That's all you're going to say? That's all you're going to do? And he get, you know the, he then gives uh, this really... Well, he finds his voice. Yep. Yeah. And you know, he, he tells the men to climb, tells the men to fight, you know, that this is... There's one... Literally, the title of the thing, One Way Out. One Way Out. And then you get to the top floor of the complex and you see all the men who then realized that, oh, the only way out is to jump into the water and to swim away. And you get that moment where Cassian is, Takino, come on, let's go. And it's just sort of like, I can't swim. And now to know that, to know that that, that was coming, that moment was coming, and that adds so many different colors to the scene in the guard headquarters room where there was literally no way out for him. Yeah. But he did... What he did for the men he was stuck with, who he was imprisoned with. I still, I'm still losing sleep about that scene. I mean, I, I keep on saying there's got to be some way. There's got to be some kind of boat that you can get out there. Maybe there's a flotation device. I'm just trying to think of all these ways for him to get out because the way his his arc just changed to to somebody who you would follow into battle. I mean, there are alphas and there are leaders, and he's a leader. But again, I mean, think about our final image from this show where you, right. you saw those hundreds of men jumping in the water. And, you know, we just see two, you know, Cassian. Uh, Make it yeah, to the shore. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we, do, we see them racing away from what is clearly a, something from the Empire searching for the, for the prisoners who got away. So... We have our episode 11 and episode 12 coming up. And, man, we haven't even talked about Luthen's amazing speech. And the master class of acting between him and Whitaker. Oh, my God. I watched that four times Mm -hmm. because I've never seen... When we saw um, Whitaker saw Guerrero before, he had the the oxygen. And so he was acting into a a tube, Mm -hmm. basically. But... To see him do what he does, I mean, it was just, it blew me away that I didn't even wait to get to the end. Mm-hmm. I had to go back and see that scene again mm-hmm. to just watch the way he did it. Mm-hmm. He brings out so much and so much information, too, yeah. about the way he feels about the other fractions that are trying to um, mm-hmm. create a revolution. And it just, 
Skellen, of course, and then Skellen does it again yeah. with, um, you know, in the in the bottoms of the, um, of Corsican, which is now we're seeing the underworld of Corsican. Yeah. Isn't that where Lucas wanted to make his oh, yeah, his, yeah, yeah. The, series? The, his, his crime syndicate series that, that they spent all that time and all that effort working on. But now they can do it. These three episodes, eight, nine, and ten, were all written and directed by the same folks. They were directed by Toby Haynes. And the scripts were done by Bo Willimon. And if you think about the running time, this is a features worth of story. Yeah. And this yeah. is feature quality acting. And we haven't even talked about what Genevieve Riley is, you know, oh, yeah. walking on the wire, watching the stress of, I don't much care for my husband, who I was forced to marry as young, and my obnoxious daughter. And at the same time, I am trying to funnel money to the people who need it for the, this rebellion and the deals I am going to have to make and what am I willing to sacrifice? I mean, it, especially the way things ended in One Way Out with her storyline to the effect of we have the gangster slash banker who's willing to help her out, who's willing to, to help her hide this rather large chunk of money that she she's moved that you know she's fearing is about to come to the empire's attention, but the terms he's setting the notion of I need my son to be introduced to your daughter, just an introduction. Just an introduction. how many times have we heard that? <laughs> there we go. There we go. And oh, oh and by the way, so many of the scenes that are in her apartment. Feature adult beverages and can, can you talk about you know? Oh yeah, the, I mean this is this has got to be something that they get in Galaxy's Edge, okay? Because it's the Chandrillon Squig mm -hmm. drink, mm -hmm. and you don't know what exactly it is. It looks like a champagne flute mm -hmm. with um, liquid in it, and then they put in this like worm-looking thing, mm -hmm. and I supposedly that you know maybe does something like it's an hallucinogenic. Maybe it's, you know, like um, their idea of doing cocaine or something. Or the, 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 the worm in the tequila, really? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay. That's what it seems like. But I mean, there. if you go to starwars.com, mm -hmm. there is even a, a recipe on how to make this. Oh. And they you take mango juice. Right which is a great juice to mm -hmm. begin with. And then you add mm -hmm. a lemon-lime soda. Mm -hmm. And then they also tell you how to make the the little squigs. Mm -hmm. You you have to use gelatin mm -hmm. and you put powder in it mm -hmm. or whatever. But I say just get a gummy worm and throw <laughs> that in there. And then you've got this like and, and I'm I, I, if that gummy worm hits the the soda, you do have something hallucinogenic. Well, just, there we go. And, and and hey folks, you know, just to bring it full circle here, if you were looking for that special beverage to serve at your life day celebration later this week because remember it is. november 17th you know hey now you know just go to starwars.com and and look up the uh, it will replace green and blue milk which uh, is well you know, oh boy do they need a replacement for green and blue milk yeah i mean it, uh, who wants to drink a soda mm -hmm. that has a milky uh residue i don't know it's it's not good it's again you know that that's like look if i wanted to drink house paint i would go down to lowe's <laughs> Well, one more thing I want to add about Andor is okay. um, the love story mm -hmm. that seems to be blooming in this story between Ciro mm -hmm. and Deidre. 
<sighs> I know I may be wrong, okay. but I swear he looked at her like, you know, he was a, a cat waiting to pounce on a mouse. Okay. And she got scared, or was it scared? Was she, like, intrigued? Uh, but this is this is one of those love stories by way of Stephen King love stories, okay? You know, just yes. like, <laughs> I don't... Oh, I know. I don't want to see I where bet, this I is I bet she go. has a... I bet she has a dungeon in her. Um... We will find out. We will find out. All right, folks. Well, it will anyway, we will be back in two weeks time because again, by then we'll, we'll be on the other side of the story. We'll at least know where season one's going. Uh, likewise, we will be just inches away at that point from the launch of the Willow limited series, which which Brian and oh, I are I can't wait to see this. Both very much looking forward to. So, um, so again, I invite you to come back for the for the next episode of Looking at Lucasfilm. In the meantime, Brian, if people are looking for you on on, on social media, where can they find you? It's Geek with Children, and it's C H I L D R N. For now, again, we're we're still also on Twitter and and Instagram, but in my case, it's as Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News, and beyond that. Uh, by the way, if you could do Brian and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and and or recommend the show you're listening to right now, looking at Lucasfilm, that would be very very helpful, and. If you really, really, really like what you heard you today, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be terrific too. And I guess that's going to do it for now. So thanks for listening. And Brian and I will be back soon.